this is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my intrepid mountain climbing co-host, Jon. We're about to leave the base camp and hit the summit. How are you doing, Jon? I don't want to go to the summit. It's cold up there. <laughs> People <laughs> die there. <laughs> how, how about instead we head to a nice uh, chalet and have an ski instead? I'll do a pre-ski because the whole skiing thing is superfluous in my book. Uh, actually, I completely agree with you in that. I, I'm also not a... I have never skied. I, I have no intention to ski or snowboard. It holds no attraction no. to me whatsoever. I've, I've done skiing, went twice, I think. And it's okay, but it's a lot of effort just to start, to end up where you started again. So <laughs> you have the whole intent is to get to the bar in the end. But take out the middleman, simple. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, right, so we... Levity aside. Indeed, yeah, we, we have a somewhat serious, maybe, topic uh, with our usual uh, less than perhaps serious take on things. Today, I think this is going to end up being a, a bit of a multi-part series on uh, company culture, um, organizational cultures, company structures all these kind of related topics. And it was, uh, as, as those of you who may have caught the oh-so-subtle hint, this was inspired by some of the uh, interesting things that happened at Basecamp over the last, I guess it was only, was it only two weeks that this sort of all kicked off? Um, yeah, well, this The Verge article has a nice little uh, time flow and the first connection here was on April 27th. So yeah, yeah the, two to three weeks. Yeah, and the first, first, um, yeah, the first blog post that Jason uh, Jason Freed um, released was April twenty sixth. So yeah, it's it's been it's been a couple of weeks now uh, as we're recording this that since all of this happened, and there's been quite a a story to tell. And you know, we're going to talk a little bit about. Base camp in this episode, but it, it inspired a wider set of uh, of discussions. So hopefully you'll uh, you'll come along with us for the journey. Yeah, it's also why we are, we aren't the first ones to report on this. First of all, that's not what we do. But we, when we start thinking about this, we kind of want to do more than just discuss. Oh, base camp is doing something. A lot of things got added to it, and that's why, as you alluded to already, we're probably going to have a multi-parter here on the different topics. Because the more we dove into this, the more interesting little angles came on and yeah, yeah. That's... okay so i suppose base camp for those that have been hiding under a rock i mean it base camp is reasonably famous in certain circles as being certainly historically at least uh, an organization that people have tried to emulate and follow the sort of senior leadership there have written multiple different books on um, all kinds of things related to uh, you know company culture and structure and working and delivering products and all those kind of related things and uh, you know opinions are varied obviously as they always are on the internet but they are uh, they have been up until very recently an organization that are seen as a 
uh, you know, a real leader in in certain areas. And I think this sort of recent uh, development has certainly taken some of the some of the shine off of that uh, particular pedestal. Yeah, uh, it's also maybe good to remember that the fact that there were uh, tall trees, they also caught more wind that way. If this was a, a, yeah. a lesser known company, we probably would never have heard about this, but because they were seen in a certain way and they started taking actions that were different, let's call it that for now, that's yeah. also why this became yeah so hot, of course. Yeah, indeed. So the the background here is I think mostly clear at this point and you know we will try and cover it as best we can but you know we're going to add a bunch of articles that we found during our research uh, that I would thoroughly recommend you go and kind of check out if you want to know the exact blow by blow and point by point because we may miss some of the nuances as we talk about this it's not really the the emphasis of of this mm -hmm. uh, this particular session, but it's useful for a bit of context. Yeah, it's good to note perhaps that we're not here trying to dissect what happened at Basecamp or singling out Basecamp. It's just that Basecamp at the moment is a bit of a flagpole that we can have this discussion around. Yeah, yeah. So I, I suppose this originally started um, quite a few years ago when a uh, a group of employees, some who were apparently still at Basecamp and many of which had moved on over the years, started off a Excel spreadsheet uh, within the company which had funny names of people. They were often people from uh, European or African uh, locations and you know, I think it, the the sort of where where those people uh, or which part of the organization those people came from seems to vary a little bit from article to article. Some people say it was people in sort of sales. Some people say it was people in support. Some people say it was people in in the sort of the success org. So it doesn't really matter. But this sort of document was something that uh, that was started you know a long time ago. Not to be clear, not something that was institutional, that everybody didn't know about this document. It wasn't like the first day of onboarding. And if you find someone with a funny name, add them into this document. It's uh, it's very important for our company culture. It's just something that someone started. And- Bit of a laugh. Yeah, I think that's, that's how it started. And it's the sort of thing that, so apparently, a couple of times through the the sort of the document's history, if you like, it had been sort of found by people at various points in time, at least two or three times, I think, and deleted. But of course, uh, a bit like when uh, something's on the uh, something on the internet lives forever. Uh, so so it was the case of this particular spreadsheet. Uh, this particular document and it you know copies of it were apparently still around and and it continued to evolve now the initial um the initial sort of catalyst for this part of the this sort of the next stage that happened on from that 
as I say, this document had been around for several years in various different guises, was uh, where someone was hired as as to lead the sort of um, diversity and inclusion uh, practice within Basecamp. And there was a, a quote from, again, I think it was one of the founders, that their, their goal was to make sure that if you put, um, you know, a bunch of their own employees in a room and a bunch of their customers in a room, it should be impossible to determine, you know, which was which. They should be equally diverse and equally uh, indistinguishable from that perspective, uh, which is a, a laudable goal. However, uh, apparently this, uh, this person, basically the, this, this document was either presented to, or this person found this document. Uh, I don't remember the exact details, but they, it was then sort of, uh, brought to light that like, this is, this is not okay. Like this is a, a degree of racism and the, the sort of the, the organization had really rallied around um, providing uh, ways to think about diversity and inclusion across their organization. In fact, I'm pretty sure something like 30% of the organization, 20 to 30% of the organization had volunteered to help with a particular sort of internal working group on diversity and inclusion and how to better improve it within Basecamp. Yeah, I mean, you can see this document of names as proof that they weren't diverse enough. Because if you have a diverse environment, then no name will be funny because you will have all different variations of culture and languages in your teams already. And when I say no name is funny, I'm going to make an exception there because the Dutch people actually have very funny names. And that was intentional. A little history here. The last names of Dutch peoples were implemented when Napoleon kind of put in the rules here. And when the, the Dutch people, they were forced to put up a last name. They wanted to revolt against this. So they made the most funny names possible on purpose. <laughs> so I'm guessing any Dutch names on that list, they, we should be able to laugh at them because, well, <laughs> it was intentional. But apart from that, I mean, yeah, just the fact that this list existed at that company, there's, there's no good way of explaining this except that they were very myopic in their culture and for that reason things sounded ridiculous laughable whatever and then the thing that kind of twists me the most is it's okay between colleagues i guess when a certain name comes up and you chuckle a bit okay sometimes something is funny in context whatever possible but actually having a list that get passed around that's more than just lack of diversity. That's that's bullying almost. I mean, the only yeah. thing that stops it from being bullying is that they hopefully didn't show this list to their customers to make actual fun of them. But it's a simple, small example why diversity actually matters. Because, yeah. I mean, I work at a company that's very diversity, and you as well, where diversity is very important. And sometimes you get these emails about diversity. You think, God, this is all common sense. This, do we really need to have this structured? But then examples like this, and again, this is an example. It's not just Basecamp. Probably this is happening in other companies as well. Just talk about this because they're in the light now. But the fact that these things still happen does mean that, yeah, we do need to pay attention. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So the the story continues. Um, the 
the founder essentially decided that, uh, uh, and I did, while the, the thing that I've just discussed was a bit of the catalyst, it sounds like there were quite a lot of other things yeah. happening within the organization, a lot of other discussions that were happening, but these all came together as a bit of a catalyst for the founder to release a blog post on behaviors and things that were going to be uh, changed at Basecamp. And we'll, we'll go through the sort of the key elements of this a little bit later, but I just want to wrap up the timeline first. And uh, as, as you might expect, as we get into the points, they were relatively, uh, there were some interesting, what's the word to use? Reactions to this particular post for a variety of different reasons that again, we'll get into. There was then a an all hands meeting uh, after that, that uh, where things basically seemed to get from bad to worse. Um, the there was a an exchange between again a relatively senior leader within the organisation and a number of the employees. And at one point, one of the founders was asked to denounce white supremacy and essentially didn't. Uh, and it. it everything was already looking kind of pretty off the rails. And at that point, the rails, the train and the planet exploded. And uh, <laughs> it just, yeah, it just, it just all, uh, it all went horribly wrong. And uh, obviously, as, as of now, the, the CEO has, has released some uh, sort of a, a blog post apologizing for, well, sort of apologizing for things, mm, but rationalizing, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's closer to it. So that's that's a bit of the timeline as, as what happened. Again, I would, if you're interested in this topic, I would thoroughly recommend kind of reading in detail. Uh, the, there are a number of articles. We'll link to a bunch of them. The Verge has a particularly good set of reasonably balanced articles mm -hmm. on the topic. But, you know, we're going to, I think, focus on the uh, initial just, changes. Yeah, just before we go in there, I mean, if you look at this yeah. timeline, um, one of the the, the 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 company guidelines that company I work for is assume no evil or assume no malice. Clearly, with all of these, the, when the the company all hands happened there, that was thrown out of the window completely, and probably because the culture at the company isn't was in such a state that that's tenant, because assume no evil, uh, no malice. When you're doing Zoom meetings or emails or stuff like that, it's very easy to misunderstand or misrepresent yeah. or something. You have to be careful. Interactions, personal interactions, you can see body language. You can see how it works. It's a lot easier to feel the, the intent behind the words for these kind of mass delivery systems. It's a lot harder. That's why internally, as a distributed company, we have this assume no malice. Assume that the people got some best intentions. Ask, verify, definitely. Don't just accept. But don't put the feet, the, the feet in the sand immediately. Go in the battle stance. Yeah. Reading the articles I, about that thing, they were way beyond that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I use a similar, although perhaps slightly less politically, politically correct phrase very often. Well, I don't know if it's about politically correct, but it's perhaps a little bit less professional, which is... Uh, Assume cock up over conspiracy, yeah. and similar sort of uh, similar sort of idea. Assume that someone has just you know made a mistake, accidentally forgotten 
to include you, you know, just did did not mean to slight you in any way, shape or form, but just cocked up, made a mistake. Yeah. And it was not a conspiracy against attack. you or against that personal attack or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I think both of those are very similarly aligned and also very good principles to follow in life in general. Yeah, and this is also where for, for us, I think we, we kind of said, okay, Basecamp is one thing, but company culture, company toxicity is another big part of the story. And that's when our storyline kind of started growing. We're probably going to be doing multiple episodes on this. Indeed, indeed. So let's 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 bring up um, Jason's initial blog post and like talk through uh, a couple of these, uh, or probably maybe all of these, uh, point by point. Uh, the, f the first one, I think the first one is the one that probably caught the most, uh, public attention, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, and for people not, I, uh, following on YouTube, let's read number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was just going to say, that, but I, I do actually think there's, like, there's some, there's some really other, there's some really important things further down this list. But anyway, yeah. So the first one is no more societal and political discussions on our company Basecamp account. So essentially, if you want to talk politics or you want to talk about anything that's happening in the society, uh, you're welcome to take it one-on-one -on -one with someone in WhatsApp or Hangouts or Google Meet or any other external system, but you're not to use company resources effectively to uh, to have these conversations. Yeah, for me, that? <laughs> I maybe I'm not popular here, and that's not why I'm doing this. But I kind of agree with this because I, when I work for a company and we have this work tool, I don't want to have. In that work tool, discussions about politics, about whatever in there, because it's a work tool. If I'm looking for what's the best way to create this security detection rule, whatever, I don't need that. That's where not my focus is. And still, I'm paid to do a job. So that's one thing. On the other side, do you want to push all the discussion away completely, 100% away from anything company related? That's something else. Yeah. And ideally, I mean, not even ideally, it's easy to mix both. You can have your channels for particular, and you probably have for particular projects, particular technologies, particular things you're doing. And you have the, the water cooler channels, the, 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 the inter-office inter yeah. channels, the, especially in these COVID times, those things popped up more and more, I think, because personal interaction yeah. wasn't available anymore. And those also should have a space in the company seat but they yeah. don't necessarily need to be mixed and there will always be some overflow of course you can never have a hundred percent isolation but reading the first part just yeah i kind of agree with having a split there but it feels like they went too far and yeah. that's usually where these things go bad when you go into extremists yeah yeah i i always think of this as you know anyone that's like worked closely with me uh, I will often 
indeed, yawn, yawn included. <laughs> I, I will often, uh, you know, if, if we've got a meeting scheduled to chat through something, I will often probably somewhat more aggressively than most dive into what it is that we're there to talk about rather than make lots of inane chit chat because we to to Jan's earlier point yeah we're, we're here to work we're here to get stuff done we're here to make a difference but there's always an element of how you doing how things going sort of uh, type conversation you know the we, we live in times of COVID and, uh, you know, I had my vaccination shot earlier on in the week. Uh, so far, I don't have any x-ray vision. I still can't fly and my 5G signal is not improved. So very disappointing so far, but I'm, I'm assuming that will all come with the second shot. But, you know, the, the, the fact that people, the fact that people, you know, ask, you know, which, which vaccination did you get? And, uh, which, um, you know, how, how are you feeling and, uh, you know, how are the rollouts going in, in your country or, and, you know, things like that are all just part of human interaction. They're part of, um, you know, building relationships between sort of people and yeah. we'll, we'll get into in perhaps in later episodes, some of this kind of social interaction is incredibly important even between people that are maybe not quote-unquote friends outside of work being able to be friendly and this is something that kind of Yom was uh, was chatting about before we started recording is actually um you know critically important so there's i i, I sort of i agree that you shouldn't you know, you shouldn't spend out of your eight hour working day, um, you shouldn't spend seven and a half of hours of it debating politics and societal issues, probably, unless that, unless that is your role at the company, in which case... Oh, it's the copy probably, about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, in, in that case, that's your role. You you go for it. But it it is, especially as, as you mentioned earlier in these times when we are living through a reasonably extraordinary kind of situation where people are a lot more disconnected than they've been used to in previous years. And as you say, a lot of these you know, water cooler sort of uh, type chats, um, interest groups, uh, working groups, uh, you know, all of these things are springing up as ways to help people cope with the situations that they're, that they're, you know, living with and working through. And, this is where like there's a crossover between you know work and and home life and it's it's not that you know, the, the whole thing about work-life balance i think is is something else that we could spend an entire episode talking about but to a certain extent those things have had to blend for a lot of people mm -hmm. this year for better or worse and anything to try and soften that blow or make that more easy for people to deal with i think is is pretty important yeah and i know companies that actually have set up specific special interest groups inside the company using company tooling again outside the real company channels for work but just yeah. uh, uh, facilitate 
these kind of groups coming together about certain things. And um, I think we can mention this, uh, the Black Lives Matter thing that happened, uh, really happened a couple of while ago, was one of the things that caused a lot of these interest groups to start, but that has grown further. And that's, yeah. that's the positive from something like that happening, that people do get these discussions going because they're important. Yeah. Important for the person, yeah. important for the culture. And just as a company say, no, well, we're going to talk about politics and, and culture at companies later on. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right. Uh, so, as I say, that's that's one that probably got the most uh, flack, I would say. But let's let's move on to some of the others. Um, so, next up, uh, no more paternalistic benefits. So, this was, uh, you know, previously they offered fitness benefits, wellness allowance, uh, farmers, I don't even know what a farmer's market share is, but apparently they had one of those, and uh, continuing education allowances. And what they've done is they've now said, right, we're not going to do that. We're actually just going to offer a cash uh, compensation that is uh, equivalent to the value of these benefits every year, and you can spend them any way you want and that's I, that's what that was mentioned as something they were doing for this particular year uh, there's no clear understanding as to what they might be doing sort of following on from this in following years but uh, introduce a profit scheme in in place of that I mean honestly kind of seems perfectly fine to me like I I like the idea that, uh, you know, that you know, in my example, like that we, we have a, and many places that I work have a gym membership sort of uh, option, uh, which is of absolutely zero use to me as I live probably 45 minutes from the nearest gym. Like I'm not going to make uh, an hour and a half round trip to go to a gym. Like it's just not practical for me. So I, I, can, I can see that sort of being something that would make sense. What do you think, Jan? I've got a couple of opinions here because it's all depending on why these benefits were put up in the first place. Because a lot of bigger American companies, for instance, when they have a company relationship with another company, let's say company A sells IT equipment to Coca-Cola, whatever, Sometimes there are intercompany benefits. If because you're a supplier to our company, you get 10% in our uh, outlet store, things like that. There's no reason to to to, to shut that off. Hmm. It's there. It's available. One use it, use not. Whatever. The thing about the gym membership and stuff like that. Typically, those things also start because the gym is next door, and we're both companies, we support startups. Let's help each other. Nothing wrong with that. At a certain point, it comes too big and really things go away. A, a company decides how it spends its money and should always be in charge of that. The thing I have a huge problem with in this uh, paragraph is actually this line. I'm going to highlight it for the YouTube viewers. I'm going to read it for the, uh, for the MP3 listeners. It's none of our business what you do outside of work. On the one hand, True. If I, mm. as employees, say, Mr. Company Boss Man, I don't want you to know what I do in my free time, 
that is my prerogative. I can say that there should not be a pressure for me to discuss what I did in the weekend. If somebody asked me what you did last weekend, I said, mm, nothing much, that should be fine. But this line seems, feels, sounds very contrary to how the entire distributed nature of working and stuff like that is working, where you try to make people feel at home in the company. And that inevitably means that you have an interest in more than just the work person. If you want to get the creativity out of there, current beliefs are, and I kind of subscribe to them, that you need to be, you cannot hire somebody and expect them to fold into the mold of the company. No, you want to hire diversity, there's a word again, to make the company richer. And the diversity comes from what they do outside of the company. So categorically stating, it's none of our business to do outside of the work. That feels so, maybe, I'm not going to say wrong, because it's not wrong or right, but it feels very different from what yeah. most companies do today. And this, I mean, we use the term uh, culturally additive. You want to bring people in that are going to enhance, develop, um, accentuate, you know, contribute to the evolution. New. Yeah, uh, evolve the culture or evolve the the organization, and yeah, that also is something that, using the same word again, comes from diversity. And again, diversity will perhaps come onto this uh, in a little bit, but diversity doesn't just have to mean race or skin color. Diversity can be background, diversity can be, you know, industry experience, diversity can be all of these things. Uh, and it, it's sort it of very personal stuff, married, yeah. non-married persons have a different kind of view on things. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it, it's one of those things that seems pretty innocuous, but there's definitely more reading between the lines. Yeah, I mean, reading these points, I'm always trying to find out where did this come from? What are they trying mm. to achieve by this and what are they trying to fix? And which actually means, what do they see as being broken? And then the next question is, does this actually fix that? And yeah. for me, most of the hula about this whole thing is that the remediation they suggested doesn't really fix the problem. It mostly sidesteps it or silences it. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect segue to the, the third point, which is no <laughs> more committees. And this is, uh, I mean, I have lots to say about this, but essentially what they're, what they're saying here is they're turning the responsibility of, you know, what they had rolled into committees or working groups or things back to the people in their words that were distinctly hired to make those decisions. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I fundamentally kind of disagree with, with this approach, but to your point just now, it, it, the question comes back to why are they doing this? It sounds like they're doing this because those committees turned into things that were too, too slow or too, you know, indecisive or just disorganized or, you know, didn't have enough structure or the, perhaps the person that was responsible 
or it didn't feel that they were responsible for it because there was a larger committee that they yeah. felt they had to appease or report to or and that to me is the is the issue like i actually think that typically committees or working groups or things like this are usually staffed by not staffed by are you know, have people sort of uh, participate in them because they're interested in these topics they're passionate about these topics and you know their viewpoints could be uh, could be different and or you know could be aligned or not aligned with whoever is the person actually responsible for this but for me these working groups or committees are about gaining additional perspectives that and considering those and you you could choose to go a different route but at least you've heard uh, those people's opinions and and that for me it's more about the transparency and the communication that happens and it's it's still that person that has the overall responsibility for whatever that function is still has the responsibility like the working group or the yeah. committee does not overrule that um unless your world is very very upside down so th that's to your earlier point that that to me is the the thing that i think they're trying to fix with this is the wrong thing like they're <laughs> just looking in all the wrong places yeah and, and the fix doesn't fix the thing because for me the the thing that uh i think you i think you missed is that a lot of times the co the committees gain power because the person paid to make the decision wants uh, plausible deniability i didn't make this decision if it goes bad the committee did mm, and that's when you get oh. these looping looping discussions and nothing gets decided and that's not what these committees are intended to be for for me mm. committees are advisory the yep. person that makes a decision needs information from a diverse group. That's a word again. <laughs> so let's mm -hmm. put a committee, have talk, have brainstorms, but the person still makes a decision. So removing the committee doesn't change anything unless the person making the decision wasn't making those decisions anymore. And you're not solving that problem by removing the committee. Yep. Because that person will still not make the decision. It's, he'll, that's not the kind of person who should be in that job basically yeah. <laughs> to be honest so that's where you have to look at change your management structure at that point don't kill the committees because at that point you may be as diverse a company as you want to be if none of those people have even a semblance of a vote even advisory then your diversity doesn't help your company anymore yep indeed all right moving on then um no more lingering or dwelling on past decisions learning from I mean, the past doesn't work anymore <laughs> yeah again sort of i i i understand there, there's a phrase um disagree but commit where and you know uh, to a certain extent it comes back to the the con one of the concepts we just talked about in the committees you can maybe disagree with a decision that is eventually chosen but if that's the decision that is taken by the particular leader you know then that's what we're going to do and therefore we get on board and we get it done to the best of our abilities and you you know what this i think is trying to tease out is like you shouldn't be continually 
revisiting these things about, oh, I didn't agree with that decision. I don't think we should have done that uh, to the detriment of, you know, making progress or giving an approach a chance. But uh, that's that's sort of, uh, that was my initial take on this. What what's, what's your view? My take is, what the hell is this doing in this list? Because all the other points here are pretty smart acronym, immeasurable. I mean, no more political discussions. We can see that. Disband the committees. We can see that. But this is a let's do things differently in hopes of getting another, a different outcome. I mean, if there's too much dwelling going on, this does not... They're deciding not to do it anymore. Great. It doesn't solve anything. <laughs> and yes, if you dwell too much on the past, you should indeed learn, move on. Iter that's iteration, yeah. basically. That's a good yeah. thing. But this number four, this sounds like uh, one manager says, ah, this is my point. I want it in the list too. But it's <laughs> totally meaningless. It's a good intention. <laughs> that's all I can say. But why this is in this list, I have no idea. And it definitely can give you the wrong yeah. impression again, which is a bad thing. I mean, there is, there's clearly a lot of stuff. There's a lot of baggage that this list is unpacking and, you know, m maybe more will come to light over time, but I, I think most people have kind of moved on from it, but maybe we'll, maybe we'll find out what the, uh, what the specific thing <laughs> or things were behind this point at a later date. I've known companies that, uh, as an action, decided that all emails older than 90 days must be deleted. So you couldn't go back to them anymore. Right. Talk <laughs> about uh, plausible deniability, hey? Well, you agreed to it uh, four months ago. <laughs> no, I didn't. You can't prove anything. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I printed it out. <laughs> I printed it out. <laughs> You're not allowed to. That's uh, a, a GDPR uh, <laughs> problems. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the whole plausible deniability is very strong in this whole exercise. That's mm. kind of a, anyway. We're, we're moving right. way out of time. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Number five. No more three sixty degree reviews. And I, again, like this is something that I think is just like ridiculous. This is just apps. No, this is this to me. It like it talks about the fact that uh, basically that. In their view, peer feedback is basically not very useful. Well, then your guidance to peers on how they should do peer reviews is broken. Like mm -hmm. Peer reviews should be open, honest. They should provide some of the best feedback because it's for people that are your peers, are most likely working very closely with you. you know, majority of 360 review cycles, you nominate people. Now, obviously, that also means that you can obviously game the system as well, and people do that. But if you if you are one of those people that does that, you're not actually doing yourself any favors. You're just softballing this, and you're not going to perhaps learn as much as you would do if you perhaps didn't softball these things. Anyway, slight tangent. Um, I personally find 360 reviews, uh, when done well, incredibly valuable. Um, I've built teams before, managed teams, currently managing a fairly sizable team, 
and the feedback that peers give when they are direct they're correctly directed is invaluable for me as a manager and for the individuals concerned i i cannot i mean okay maybe point number one in this list uh was was more impactful but this is probably the one that i rage against the most out of out of all of them for for some reason and maybe that's just because i i i see so much value in peer reviews when they're done well from the point of view of a what you called it their individual contributor you called it i think uh, earlier mm -hmm. so not a managed point of view 360 degree peer reviews are horrible or brilliant <laughs> dependent on the company culture yep and that's very why true. and that's why very maybe true. for Basecamp, it's a good thing not to do these anymore if their culture is really this bad as it seems then maybe it's a good thing not to do this anymore because 360 degree peer reviews in a bad company culture are vindictive are negative are horrible and i've been in that yeah. situation where i really dreaded these things and i've also been in situations where it's actually a tool for growth yeah and for me the less strictly regulated they are the more free flow i mean give a list 10 bullet points what's good 10 bullet points what's bad i hate those but more of a just discussion a quarterly review where you just discuss it with your manager with a small team whatever where you just yeah. maybe not even to the person but say i've felt in this group that sometimes this happens sometimes that happens and the person can decide it's oh this is about me or, or possibly not entirely those kind of approaches are less measurable which means they're a bad tool but in my opinion a lot more valuable because the it's less confrontational let's say because when i yeah. get asked review dave how good is he as a co-host well, face Pretty to face, <laughs> face to face, I'll say something different to Dave than I would say here on the podcast, which is on the internet. Because basically, I kind of respect Dave as a human being, even if he's a bit of a uh, terrible complicated person from time to time. <laughs> yeah, wonderful <laughs> human being, terrible co-host. <laughs> well, as long as you do as much uh, research as you did for this one, I'm happy. Uh, but see, I hope I understand, I make myself clear here. Yeah. It really depends on where these peer reviews happen, because in the wrong company culture, they can be absolutely devastating. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, and yeah, as 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 we've said a couple of times now, like there's clearly there's clearly a lot of baggage behind these six points, and I, I maybe maybe you're right, maybe the uh, maybe there's an element of that to to this. But let's wrap things up then with uh, the, the sixth point here on this list, not forgetting what we do here. Uh, actually, I think we should, I think we should save this topic, the, this bullet point to talk about on the next episode because we, we've got one that we've got a topic area that I think beautifully sort of tails into this. And I think talking about this is impossible to talk about without uh, the other topic. Yes, but, we're going over time to include the other topics as well. So, yeah, but let's let's just round up this with uh, a quick uh, sort of suggestion that there are also 
other ways to view all of this news and everything we've just talked about. And uh, so there's a, an article from Real Clear Markets that uh, for those of you following along on YouTube can just see, which the title is uh, Basecamp just broke the mold to grow better and faster. And uh, there's there's been a lot written in the last couple of weeks about Basecamp. Uh, I, I don't really subscribe to the uh, all publicity is good publicity. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, come on. Sort of... Uh, idiom uh, I don't even know there's an idiom uh, phrase anyway and uh, this is a very different take or view on everything that's happened at Basecamp the article essentially is saying uh, all of these things are about making Basecamp leaner and meaner and more focused and, and better make for it the more customer. successful yeah. It's better for the customer. Yeah. And is that so? Is that the case? I mean, so again, as I said, for the political views, splitting that apart is better for the customer because having focus time for technology things will give you probably less bugs in the code in the end, hopefully. So there is something in there, but this is a much broader subject than just that. Not yeah. all of these things. Is removing the, the all of the committees good for the customer? Having less people have a say in things is good for the customer. You make it a product to market. You make you may get a product to market faster, but is it still the product that the people want? Because that's a problem. Yeah. Right, the disconnect is potentially in there. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's a very very different take on things. And mm -hmm. in fact, Jan, when you you walked through this, there was one thing that particularly made you um i'm not sure whether it was a chuckle or a guffaw or a an exclamation but uh, there's one there's one part in this article that particularly uh, rankled you i believe yeah it was a are you really saying this because basically what this person says in the text is that uh many of the media media's hot take have focused on how about 20 staff have announced a departure but does anyone think that Basecamp wouldn't find 20 or 40 or 80 fully quite people to take their places? Now, yeah. this is so short-sighted. Yeah. I mean, I assume that when I work for a company, the company is investing time, money and effort to make me better at my job and me even better as a person, if I'm very lucky with the company I'm working for. Yep. Just being able to say, oh, these, these people that have been in the company for 10 years, they can go. I can hire 10 more like that any minute. Really? That wasn't... Yeah. How can you even think this is possible? Or even... How can you not value your people to a point that you can just see them as exchangeable for the next person talking in the door? How hard is your... Your hiring process, it's the toughest thing companies do, having a good hiring process. It takes yeah. a long time. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Like it, it's, such a, it's such a massively short-sighted, throwaway statement. It's true that I'm sure they will be able to find 20, 40, 80 people to be able to hire, but that doesn't in any way shape or form cover the impact that having a third of your company leave or announce their departure uh and hiring 
you know, a third brand new people into a company, even if you are able to find them quickly. Like that's, yeah. that's it's, not a, it's, it's not just 30% people. It's 30% of your IP that just walked out the door. Yeah. And yeah. that's, you can't buy your IP anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, a, there's a, a horrible phrase uh, sometimes used to, do, to describe uh, people at organizations, and that phrase is human capital. And I, I loathe that particular uh, Are that you not putting a value term. on me? Come on. <laughs> no, I'm sure there are 20, 40, 80 people who are just willing to jump into the Roaring Elephant podcast co-host seat at a drop of a hat, Jon. So I you should have no problem replacing me. <laughs> just listen to our first episode and this one, they're identical. We're saying exactly the same things in the same ways. Uh, Nothing changed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So... I think that's uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, we're going to cover a few more pit, bits of this particular story, but we're running a little long, so we're going to wrap this up one up now. Anything yeah. else from you, Jan? No, as you said, we're gonna we have a lot more to talk about. So this is definitely not the end of this discussion. It's just the beginning, to be honest, because uh, as we focused on the beginning of the episode, we're talking about Basecamp now because they made this very focused. But we intend to have a discussion that's much broader than this coming across the whole culture, political sphere, and so on. Maybe go to some dangerous territories for a simple podcast, but we'll see how that works. If any of our listeners have uh, topics that you want us to include in the discussion, please. This is a very broad thing. Dave and I are two persons. We do not know everything. At least I'll speak for myself. Uh, so please little. send that in. And with that, that's all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a patron. If your contribution helps, we are on YouTube. If you didn't follow us on YouTube, you had us read, and read stuff aloud a lot. Make it easy for ourselves. Just follow us on YouTube. You can subscribe, hit the notification bell, so you get notified of new episodes. You can also go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to the Patreon page and more information about the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter using the Elephant tag, although I haven't been doing much there, I must be honest. And you can send plain old feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org email. Until next time, my name is, I hope I'm doing this right, Jon. And my name is, oh dear God, people are going to listen to this, Dave. <laughs> and we hope to look forward to talking to you again next week. And maybe you've had a to talk. Goodbye. Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll get you some lessons. It'll be fine. Cheerio.